Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The Hello, can't be yeah, uh-huh, Lisa. And Phil. So, this week, we don't have a guest, but we're going to try something that we've been kicking around for a little bit. The idea of doing some movie reviews. And during the pandemic, we did manage to go to three movies that happened to be released during the pandemic. So, we thought we'd call this Movies to Die For. Um, because we risked our lives to go see them. Yep. And sometimes I feel like uh, mm-hmm. the idea of spending your money to go to a movie mm-hmm. taints your opinion of the movie. Like you can have, you don't want to feel like you've wasted your money or you might have enjoyed the experience of going to a movie because you got to eat some popcorn. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, maybe something wow. made it memorable, really put you really into a good mm-hmm. space, you know. But, uh, so you might want to go back and revisit those movies later to find out if they really were as good as you thought they were. So that's what we did here. We rewatched these movies this weekend mm-hmm. in, prep, in preparation to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So we also rewatched them because I remember them a little differently than Philip did. Now I'm not saying that my hypothesis is 100% what was meant in the movie, but it was definitely something that. Well, we'll get into it in more detail. Right. But I think we should get a little bit into just just briefly kind of explain our both both of our preferences for movie. Mm-hmm. I tend to be kind of a snob about mm-hmm. big budget movies. If it's a big budget movie starring an ex wrestler or um, some you know uh, action hero type dude where they pour you know, millions of dollars into the budget, special effects, uh, I'm almost never ever wanting to go see that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's strange you know i biggest budget movie that i really enjoyed i think was probably captain america like around 2014 or something Mm -hmm. because it was set in the 40s during world war ii and i thought that was interesting you know Mm -hmm. but for the most part i just don't like big budget big um, cgi staged movies so when superhero movies that kind of thing right so when lisa and i sit down and talk about what movies to go to. Um, if it's my turn, it's usually something like uh, 11 billboards outside of, what, what was the name of it? But, uh, I can't remember the name. Something, it was a, uh, it's a small town. It's it's three billboards. Three billboards, yeah. yeah. Three, three billboards, billboards outside. With Frances McDermott. Yeah. Which happens to be McDermott. one of my favorite actors. Yeah. yeah. And Woody Harrelson. And uh, was that was a really, really good movie. Yeah. It was. Um, Excellent. Or A Woman in Flames. 
Okay. Aaron, <laughs> I didn't see that with you. You did. You uh, saw that. At, at, me and Aaron went and saw that oh, back okay, in high was, school. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a very low budget mm-hmm. movie, um, art house film. Mm-hmm. We went and saw that. Okay. Uh, so I'm kind of pretentious and snobbish about the movies I go see. Whereas Lisa, I'd say you're more open to uh, just about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to try. Um, I. Uh, what is it? Some of my. I mean, I. I, I enjoy slightly stupid things, like for instance, Ed Wood and Planland from Outer Space. I think I'm more eclectic in my tastes. I don't look at a movie. Okay. Phil will look at the when we go into Rotten Tomatoes. He looks at what the directors think and or the uh, critics think, and I look at what the audience thought. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. Now we both loved Pulp Fiction. Right. Um, movies that we both loved. With some others. Well, Pulp uh, Fiction was great because of the soundtrack. We both really you know. enjoyed the three movies we're going to talk about today. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, the soundtrack. And, and a lot of it, the soundtrack has a big effect. Um, I, we actually did see Saw 3, and I'm going to say that I didn't hate it. And that's the best we're going to do. Yeah. I don't enjoy the movies where, okay, we, oh, we both enjoyed the Scream movies. Yes. At least two of them. Yes. Yes. We're good. Um, which I think everybody feels that way. Um, I enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street because it's so, so much more difficult to tell the real from the dreamscape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like the horror genre films, you know. He likes those more than I do. Yeah. Um, Hitchcock. I, okay, now I enjoy a good thriller. Not always, because I can usually tell who did it. Yeah, yeah. I I can usually predict the end pretty pretty easily. Um, I don't actually have like all time favorite movies per se. Yeah. I have movies that I really really like. I really like um, the one of the movies we're going to be reviewing today a little more than the other two. And when we rewatched them, I was reminded of that. And um, one of them is really socially moving and interesting one of them is a revenge movie that's that's a candy-coated revenge movie and the other one is just plain fun revenge movie just getting it on get get it over with get it done revenge movie and you'll know which ones are which after you listen to this podcast but I don't I can't really just list like three movies. I guess if I had to list three movies, am I listing movies that I can watch over and over again? Am I listing movies that won't leave my memory? Am I listing movies that, um, that moved me somehow? You know, like if it's movies that won't leave my memory or that I'll watch over and over again, um, while you were sleeping for some odd reason, they tend to be, um, Sandra Bullock movies. Yeah. I can watch While You Were Sleeping over and over. I can watch um, uh, the one where she's a beauty queen. I can't remember the name of that one right now, but I can watch that one over and over. Oh, where she goes undercover, beauty pageant. Yes. She's like uh-huh. kind of a tomboy and she didn't right. really want to do it, right. but she turns out that she really Yeah, and the, and the music in that one is good. Yeah. Mustang Sally and, you know. Yeah. And I, I love the point where the... Um, her, her friend, who's one of the contestants, they ask her, um, what's your, what's your perfect date? And she says, April 23rd. 
<laughs> and of course, what they meant was, you know, a date. Oh, but, I see. you know, okay. and she chose a date. Yeah, <laughs> which was which was absolutely sweet. Right. You know, and indicative um, of somebody's mind can't get on track. You know, they're just yes. like focused and yeah. It, it's yeah. telling. Well, yeah, and then of course there's um, there's movies like Ed Wood. I loved Ed Wood. Yeah, I loved. I loved that. The, the, I loved that movie. Too. I loved Johnny Depp's performance in that more than any other. He really just went for it. Yeah, and you know, it, it's there's a line in the movie where he's trying to get backing for his film, and he's on a payphone, and he's talking to someone, and the guy says, "You make the worst movies. You know, you're horrible." And he says, "Well, yes, okay." So how much would you like to invest? <laughs> right, I, I mean, he just completely, you know, he knows they're bad, yeah. but he loves making movies so much. And I think that's one of the things I love the joy in a movie. Um, another movie that I think I could probably watch over and over again. And that I found absolutely joyous was peanut butter Falcon. And if you haven't seen that, Oh, you need to, you really need to. I have to ask you an important question. Uh-huh. Was I with you when we saw that? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. An autistic boy runs away from his nursing home. Yes. That mm-hmm. was very good. That was very good yes, movie. Yes, that was a very good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess I like a positive message. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about these three movies. Let's just take mm-hmm. them one, uh, maybe in the order we've seen them. I think, okay. that, I think we have them listed here in the order that we actually saw them. Okay. And the first one is... Cajillionaire. Cash. Nope, any order. This is not a cheap tie. Most people want to be cajillionaires. That's the dream. That's how they get you hooked. Hooked on sugar, hooked on caffeine. Ha ha ha, cry, cry, cry. Me, I prefer to just skip. So do I. February, March, April? Uh, we may have to pay an installment. Rent is an installment. It's a monthly installment. They are real characters, super unique. But you vouch for them, right? She learned to forge before she learned to write. Oh, actually, that's how she did learn to write. My favorite movies are the Ocean Eleven movies. This is exactly the kind of thing that I've been wanting. So what do your parents do, hon? Hun, you've never called me that. But you could if it was a job, though, right? Starring Evan Rachel Wood. As old Dolio. Yes, the worst name I've ever heard a woman <laughs> uh, be named before. Old Dolio. Yeah. And what was the story behind that? Her parents named her Old Dolio. There was a uh, a homeless man that they knew who won the lottery. Yeah. And they were hoping that by naming her after him, and I think probably his name was Dolio, and they just added the old because they didn't know his name wasn't really old, because these parents of hers are not exactly realistic in the world but it's o-l-d-d-o-l-i-o and um they named her that because they were hoping he would put her in his will um it turned out he did not because he ended up spending most of his money on um cancer treatments well let's okay so let's backtrack and and kind of give a brief uh Mm -hmm. uh, synopsis of the movie there could Mm -hmm. be some spoiler alerts and some spoilers in this spoiler alert right now right but Mm -hmm. uh that's I think it's inevitable and I think a lot of people have seen these already because uh, in, in mm-hmm. the case of Kajillionaire it's been out for a year I believe yeah but old Dolio is the 20 something daughter of um, Robert 26. and Teresa 
mm-hmm. who are grifters. They live in the back room of a laundromat. A laundromat in the like an office area. Right, and for five hundred dollars rent a month, mm-hmm. and part of uh, the rent is taken off if they. Uh, during when when the laundromat starts to when the laundromat's running um suds seep through part of the wall and rather than have the building collapse because the suds have gotten into it or become moldy um he rents the space and he expects them to get the mold or the the suds away from the wall before they can um you know infest it and cause mold yeah right but anyway robert and Teresa spend they're every minute of every day trying to figure out how to um they're grifters they're grifters they, they're mm-hmm. you know the, the, so they, they don't pay their rent they're back mm-hmm. they're behind on their rent for three months and the, mm-hmm. and the, the uh, landlord is a very kind of uh nervous kind of um, he has some edgy. kind of disorder to where he has no filter Right, and they're constantly coming to him with promises that they will mm-hmm. pay the next day. Right. Um, well, to be fair, they do try to avoid him quite humorously. Right, but Old Dolio is mm-hmm. their agent. You know, she has like a weekly task of infiltrating the post office mm-hmm. to steal U.S. mail and uh, to steal to try to steal packages. Yeah. And what it is is they have a key to a box. Uh, you know, um, a safe deposit. Not safe deposit. Uh, what post they office called? box. Yeah, post. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> okay, well, they have the key to a post office box. And what she does is she reaches her arm. She opens the post office box. She reaches her arm in and she finds a package. And she just feels around for packages. And um, and when she finds a package, she pulls it out of the post office box. It's in and pulls it out. And they take the package and they... Um, and or packages if she can reach more than one and they um they value the items and they sell them for profit yeah so they they spend an inordinate amount of energy and time every Mm -hmm. they work much more than eight hours a day on trying to figure out how just trying to get something over nickels and dimes uh, Mm -hmm. to round together so um so old dolio um is really getting a a, she's very isolated yeah, she's getting the short end of the stick here from mm-hmm. her parents. Her parents are not very affectionate. They're not very engaged. Mm-hmm. They right. view her as a a, you know, a partner and not not their their offspring or their child. Right. The name itself yeah. is demeaning. I think mm-hmm. Evan Rachel Wood, who's very beautiful blonde mm-hmm. actress, who's in Westworld, um, mm-hmm. a lot of other great films. I believe that she um she she kind of channeled the energy of a of a boy in this role mm-hmm. to try to demonstrate how downtrodden she was and how mm-hmm. kind of, you know, lacking um, any kind of uh, support from her parents. I feel like that, that they were just trying to be as unnoticeable as possible, which of course is kind of ridiculous because the ladies were basically dressed Amish and, um, and um, she would wear long skirts to the floor and, and, and they would both be covered up completely. And both of them had their hair, really, really long hair, parted in the middle and just flowing down. Right. So um, hair that you can hide behind. Well, anyway, you slice it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that, she, yeah. that old Dolio definitely felt mm-hmm. uh, like 
less than or that, that she was she was disenfranchised completely. Yeah, spent. and you don't realize that at first. Yeah. But um, you know, the the father has an almost cult-like um control, in my opinion, over the situation. Although the mother, it turns out at some point you'll find that she's kind of got a lot of the power herself. So she is you know, she's been raised by these people. Um, she was educated at home. She hasn't gone to school. She's had no real um, contact, if you will, with the outside world. Um, can I have just water? Okay. And another drink, but water. Um, so what you get is this very isolated young woman who's been raised by distant parents who were not even remotely affectionate um they're living in a uh, an office basically and they all sleep on the floor um and it's just kind of fascinating really um because like you said they work way harder being grifters and uh and one of her father's rants is about how everybody wants to be a gazillionaire and that's not what they're about they just need enough to get by and they're not going to pander to um what society wants um he also believes that for instance Uh, Whenever there's an earthquake, you don't want to touch anything, especially metal, because it will be um, electrified. So whenever there's an earthquake, he, the mother and the daughter, the mother who's bought into this and the daughter who has no reason not to believe all of these absolutely fascinating theories her father comes up with, um, they'll stand there stock still, terrified. Even if there's a tiny little bit of earthquake, and um, so you know that's um, well, like okay, so the most important that's thing. Very entertaining. Now, this movie is the one that does not have a a soundtrack that stands out per se. I mean, there is a soundtrack, but the story is not moved by the soundtrack the way the other two movies are. Well, okay, so main plot line that we're not talking about here is that uh, Melanie shows up. Melanie is a young Latina woman who... um, They they basically pick her up on a flight during an airline grift. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but they find Melanie on this plane, and um, the father basically kind of picks her up. And she's somewhat fascinated by this whole situation. And so part of their... I just will say that lost luggage is part of their grift. So Melanie ends up helping them by helping them lose the luggage. Yeah. And uh, okay, so eventually but she Robert, stays in contact with them afterwards. But Robert makes a pass at her at one point, And then that's mm-hmm. kind of the end. Now Melanie mm-hmm. kind of storms out and takes old Dolio with her. Well, no, what happens is um, it was a, it was a perfectly nice situation. And Melanie has kind of, in, been incorporated into the grift yeah now here's the thing old dolio is feeling replaced she's very upset because melanie's getting all this attention from the people that she's grown up with the people that should be paying attention to her and so it's very it's it's very interesting and one of the things that happens is melanie kind of talks them into getting a hot tub 
So they get the hot tub delivered to their office, basically. And so there's a hot tub in this office. Probably with no plumbing yeah. to it, though. Well, no, <laughs> it, they ended up getting it hooked up somehow. I don't think you have to have plumbing for a hot tub as long as you can clean the water. Oh, yeah, you just pour buckets yeah. of water you in can it, use, Yeah, you can use a hose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so, um, so, of course, the father, actually, I think the mother's the one that kind of thinks this is about to be a thing first. But the father makes a pass at her. He wants her to, you know, he wants to get busy in the hot tub. And um, so there they are, the two of them. Melanie's about to get in the hot tub. And here comes mom. She wants it to be a group situation. Right. They're swingers. So, yeah, apparently <laughs> they're, they're swingers. And they're hoping Melanie is too. And well, you know, Melanie's, you can, you can tell she's uncomfortable. She doesn't like this situation. She's kind of unhappy. And Odolio comes home. And I don't think Odolio gets what they were up to, per se. But she knows that her parents are paying attention to this woman, attention that they do not pay to her. And she is upset and she is jealous and she's blaming Melanie. Well, she asks her mother for something that her mother cannot give her. And she offers her $1,575 to do this thing. And her mother cannot and will not do it. And Melanie says, I'll do it. I will do what you need. I will be what you need. For $1,575. And so the two of them leave. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's probably about 35 minutes of the movie left. And I, I don't, I don't want to ruin yeah. the, not mm-hmm. that there's a tremendous, uh, but I mean, does, something does happen. It's, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that's kind of uh, brings it to a head. And uh, there are confrontations that bring it to a head. There are situations. Let's just say that old Dolio did not like to get touched, right? Right. She but, didn't like being touched. By the well, end of the movie, she did mind. Being by the end of the movie, she did mind. <laughs> well, well, by the end of the movie, um, I will tell you that um, it's uh, it's pro LGBT. Yeah. So, um, that's and good. that's that's the best we're going to tell you. But there's really interesting thing that happens. It, there's really funny moments. There's really poignant moments. It definitely tugs on the heart. Well, I mean, old Dolio finally kind of reconciles with her parents and thinks that maybe maybe they, she maybe, reconciles with like maybe she can get back together with them. Mm. But that's completely shattered by something. Yeah, that happens. That gets well. I think it really does end on a positive note with her feelings towards her parents but at the same time her parents have let her go now whether she expected that or not they have sent her off yeah you know right. she's not expected back and i don't think they want her to come back in 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 their i think in their lexicon she's gone straight yeah she's become a seeker of gazillionaire-ness well, this was uh, director Miranda July's feature or premiere movie, her first movie. So mm-hmm. I, I would say, and that, I look forward to more movies from Miranda July. But I would say I like the movie. I don't mm-hmm. think it's for everybody for sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's very quirky. It's very yes, bizarre. Yes, we do enjoy a bizarre quirky yeah. movie. This is not this not be for everybody, but but I did I did I would give it a thumbs up. Yeah. But I think we should talk about a movie that I think both. You and I agree, maybe a little bit better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the a next promising one. young woman. A promising young woman. Yeah. My assistant tells me that you're interested in resuming med school. I left under unusual circumstances. Mm-hmm. You remember the accusations made against Alexander Monroe? 
I don't. He took a girl back to his room. You know, we get accusations like this all the time. That's a he said, she said situation. What would you have me do? Ruin a young man's life? <laughs> Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who she spoke to? You. It's a day of reckoning. For everyone. I don't know. I mean, the message gets across from Kajillionaire. And a promising young woman has a really interesting twist on a revenge movie. Yeah. Because she does get her revenge in the end. And it's it's this like almost bubblegum, happy, sweet film. It's it's fully lit. There's no darkness that you see. All of the darkness is in the story and the situation that it is driven by. Um, there's this young woman whose friend is accosted while in college. And this attack causes her to be so, you know, she, she tries to get justice and no one will pay attention. Well, why were you drunk? What were you wearing? Oh, you can't accuse this young man like that. That would hurt his future. So after this situation occurs she um she just she loses it the girl stops being herself and she just you know goes lower and lower and lower until it gets to the point where she kills herself and in a promising young woman the the best friend is literally spiraling um she has a job, you know, at a coffee house as a barista. And um, then, you know, at night she goes out to bars and pretends to be drunk so that guys will take her home so that she can, you know, see she's trying. I think she's trying to find one decent man so that she can feel better about her life. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of a honey trap in a way, because when these guys take her, you know, when they, they help her and take her home, they don't take her to her home. They take her to their home. And she, um, and, and she does this over and over and over again. And this is part of her attempt at feeling better about just all of it. Well, the guy who actually perpetrated the crime returns to the country and he's getting married he's going to get his happily ever after yeah well i had what i had trouble with at first mm-hmm. was i didn't think it, it took it far enough like she would get these men and trap these men mm-hmm. and, and kind of take advantage of their uh, perversion or whatever they didn't see the thing is she didn't let them actually harm her most of these men were... But I kept expecting the movie, at some yeah. point she was going to take out a knife and stab one of them in the heart or something. Okay, and that that wasn't what it was there about. Was a- this is a very, very female revenge movie. And I think he was waiting for the man to come out. Well, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was waiting. Yeah, so that's And what- even the end of the movie, the man did not come out. 
but that's why it was a woman's revenge movie and it was very satisfying and a little bit sad for me yeah but i guess what i'm trying to say though is at the beginning Mm -hmm. i'm thinking man you know what's going on here this is not enough it's not enough to hold my interest that she's Mm -hmm. not sealing the deal on it like she had that scene Mm -hmm. with mclovin mclovin Uh is in it from well um and then that's the uh (laughs) the actor from um Darn, what is his name? I don't know what his name is. He's from, uh, it wasn't Super Bad. Yes, it was. Oh, it was Super It was Super Bad, yeah. With, yeah. Where he was with um, Seth Rogen and, uh, okay. and Bill, uh, uh, you know, the yeah. cops, you know, and McLovin had the fake Yeah, uh, yeah, ID. he had the fake ID and his name was just McLovin. Well, he was like the first victim, her so first stupid. victim. That was not Super Bad. I don't, maybe it yes, was. Yes, it was. Okay, it was. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um and and no he was actually not the first victim that they showed but the she, first but she, one was the guy from um from the movie we're watching from um the friend who was uh okay the first one was um was somebody else okay okay, okay. and he took her home and he had her panties off and he was about to dive in right to um you know orally speaking and she sits up and says, what are you doing? I said, no. Yeah. And basically what she does is she's putting herself in danger. But what, Every time she does this, well, she I get that, but, but Why isn't she blackmailing these guys? What is she doing other than just scaring them? Is that it? She's adrift. She she's trying to she's scare, them, scare straight. them straight. She's straight. She doesn't care about them. Yeah. All she, well, I know she, she needs care about to them. get better herself. She's trying anything she can to improve herself okay and she's so broken that she thinks this is going to make it better she's looking for the guy that doesn't try to take her clothes off okay so you're saying she's actually doing this without pessimism she's doing this looking for no it's pessimistic it's downright depressed it's it's angry and depressed and vengeful but it's vengeful in a way but it's got to be hope can't understand but it's got to be hopeful she's got to be hopeful from what you're saying part of her somebody that that, part of her wants to find somebody that isn't like this right and there's a point in the movie where she does meet someone and she actually starts to have hope okay yes and we're not going to talk about that anymore okay there's a movie that would be a real spoiler alert there was a movie called the last seduction mm-hmm. and that's what i was expecting more out of this okay if anyone's familiar that with that is a movie. man's movie made by men yeah. with a male character played by a woman okay. now the movie the, the the i know that a man wrote that character as a woman yeah. but it was not a man's it was not a woman's revenge Okay. okay, I know what you're talking about. It's not a bad movie at all. I enjoy it, but it is not, I repeat, not a woman's movie. This is a this is one of the first purely female movies I've ever seen. Okay. Well that's that's good. Um yeah. That's good. Okay, so around and, the same time and, but at the same time, you've got Laverne Cox, you've got Jennifer Coolidge, you've got Allison Bree, you've got Alfred Molino, you've got all kinds of cases people and faces that you are going to recognize yeah it was a good cast mm-hmm. and at the same time all these movies were coming out like um the female ghostbuster mm-hmm. and um captain or captain these, america i thought captain america was great most of them did poorly Girl power most of them did poorly at the box office that is not my fault this one wasn't expected to do better than it did 
I think this because movie because it was a low budget movie. But I think this yeah. movie was much more interesting. Okay. Than these other attempts yeah. to try to, uh, to you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call them. I li- I liked the female Ghostbusters. Okay, mm-hmm. I liked the movie. I'm just saying they didn't. It was entertaining, but well. you can't look at it from this aspect of um of of like a female empowerment or something. Yeah, this yeah. right here, you, you can. She in, is in a, a way, yes. She's yes. a protagonist. Yes. She is a mm-hmm. you know she's kind of taken she's a whole by the she's horn an agent here. for change yeah and yes. you're right there comes a character mm-hmm. about a third of the way through the movie where she starts to let her guard down because right. mm-hmm. he seems like he's a he's a doctor uh-huh. he's a he's a surgeon she, actually at the time that this um attack occurred she and her friend were both in medical school and they both dropped out um the friend dropped out because she just could not move forward and she dropped out because she was taking care of her friend Remember that scene where they're walking and they mm-hmm. walk past his apartment? Yeah. And she offered, don't you want to go? How about we go upstairs and have a drink or something? And it was like her fir- yeah. their first meeting. And he didn't mm-hmm. think it was proper to do that. Um, he kind of deferred. He, he suggested they go up and have a drink. And the look on her face, she just was like, <sighs> not another one. Yeah. Okay. And then he backtracked and he said, you know, no, that wasn't. You know, it wasn't like that. It just, we, we happened, you know, he's like, oh, hey, they're walking along after they've had a very nice date and things have gone well and they've, they've had good repartee um, and they, they get along extremely well and there's definitely attraction and, um, and they're walking along and he says, oh, hey, this is my apartment building. Now, she had no agenda with where they were walking, but it seems like he did. So she was like putting two and two together. Right. She came up with, I think, more. I don't really think that in this situation, the character, I think the character would have been open to it if she wanted to go upstairs. Yeah. But that wasn't his plan. Right. Okay. And, um, but then, okay. And and so, so, and then he says, oh, well, you know what? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm sorry. This, this looks so bad. I apologize. I, I'll understand if you never want to see me again, but I hope that you do. Um, so, but they, they had this yeah. like real rom comish type mm-hmm. uh, moment, yeah. Where where um, she does something where he gets really, you know, he's really turned off by what he he caught her out one night with uh, mm-hmm. one of these guys. That oh she was yes, shake down right. It was that. It was um, their next date. She canceled their next date. But he caught her out on the town. He with caught this. her out on the town with one of these. He caught her coming out of a bar with one of these guys that was taking her home to save her. Yeah. And, and then uh, that he was hurt. He's like, yes. he didn't take her calls. You know, mm-hmm. he gave her a cold shoulder. Yeah. So, you know, this is like but the same you know what? That, that was later. When Harry met that Sally. That was later because they did arrange to have another date. Yeah. But something happened to her that day. I can't remember exactly what it was. But she went to him and said, hey, I'd like to see you again. And they did have a date again. And then they were supposed to have a third date. And for the third date, something happened to her that day. Something, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was pertaining to the whole situation with her friend. Because her entire life is consumed by this, this, this thing that happened to her friend um, and, and her friend's death. And so she... She had a need to do this. 
Okay, she had a need to go out and entrap these and and get these guys to trap themselves so that she could, you know, tell them, you know, you've got to stop being like this. You're not a good guy. Because every one of these guys is like, I'm a nice guy. Right, they would actually. And they're even, not. They, would they actually, actually said this. They'd say that, yeah. Yeah, over and over I would, again. Let me take care of you, honey. I'm a, I'm a nice uh-huh. guy. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. I'm a good guy. But we should mention this actress's name. She's British. Mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan is Cassie. Yeah. We got mm-hmm. this far along in the story. Yeah. Cassie was played by uh, Carrie, Carrie Mulligan. Mulligan. Um, the director is Emerald Fennel. Yeah. Um, produced by Margot Robbie. There you go. Yeah. Margot and it is very much a movie that's. It's appropriate to the Me Too movement, but it takes it just a little bit further. Yeah. It, it, it informs, to the you know, about how this girl tried to get justice. She tried to get people to believe her, and she was slut-shamed, just slut-shamed across the board. Right. By deans by the, of schools. By the deans of schools, by her fellow students. Her friends by, from college. Yeah. I mean, just everyone, her, her best friends, yeah. except for this one girl. But anyway, she gets back. Okay. To finish the thought on her mm-hmm. relationship with this guy, once oh, they come back together. Yeah. Once they come back together, it's like they're stronger than ever. They, yeah, like, you've got this like movie kind of vignette where it shows them, um, you know, having dates and being together, and they eventually do get intimate. Right. There's this it, absolutely adorable scene in a pharmacy involve, involving a Paris Hilton song. Yeah, Lisa's like, and it's just why can't it's you just see so that? cute. I'm. <laughs> Not anymore. I yeah. gave up on that years ago. <laughs> but, I gave up on the grand romantic gesture from my husband. But anyway, if yes. that if that was in, a rom, in, in fact, I pick my birthday gifts on Amazon and I put them in the wish list. And sometimes he actually goes in and gets something I want. If that was a rom com, that would be the last scene of the movie. Probably, but it was. Store. It's not a. But rom-com. it was not a rom com. It's it's very much a Me Too movie. It but, shifted gears again. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's this super, super dark movie. I think from, from that point on, I think it, uh-huh. it really got good. It really found its niche mm-hmm. or its stride. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's lollipops and, and, and happiness. And the colors are all bright and sweet. Yeah. Except for in her family home, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, it's, it's, I'm not sure if it's, it's French provincial or, you know, but. But the, the home that she grew up in is, is very, it, it's, the decor is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's like the only part of the movie that isn't bright. Uh, I just, okay, so the action really picks up mm-hmm. once she figures out that Prince Charming has, mm-hmm. you know, shut the bed at one point. Mm-hmm. That, that he had, you know, he had. Don't, uh, don't, wait, stop. Okay. We weren't going to do that. Well, I think it's fair, you know. The, the Prince Charming is not Prince Charming. Correct. I'm done. Yeah. That's all we're going to say. In the last probably okay? 30 minutes that's of this not movie. What, and what happens is when she finds this out, this is when she really decides that, and, and what he feels is that this is where she decides to get her vengeance. But for me, it's where she loses all hope. Okay. At which point, yes, she does decide to get her vengeance. But not in the way that you might expect. That a man might do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're yes. back to that whole thing. 
So I, I find that fascinating. And we disagree. Really not- he thinks that she went there to get revenge on him. And I agree, but we don't agree on how. And when you, when you say him, we're talking about the, the character's uh, the, name. The, the rapist. The ra- rapist. And he's His mentioned- name is Al. Yeah. Al Monroe Monroe. is mentioned several times. Yeah. And he's he's, the rapist. Yeah. And, um, and he not only raped the girl, but he raped her at a party during the party in front of all his friends and he filmed it. And this was back when they had to use like, I guess, cassette players or, or video cameras, because this was before this is set in such a way that it's, it's a, a while ago. So she does get her revenge, but it's yes. in a much different way than, than than he expected. Yeah. Yeah. She gets an ultimate revenge that I find so satisfying. This man has to live with what he did. Yeah. And he ends up in prison. I'll well, give you that much. I have to say, when I saw the movie, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. it anyway. I just mm-hmm. liked the way it looked. I think she's very attractive. And, and the, I think very charismatic and did a good job, you know. Yeah, it's such a sprightly and happy soundtrack to go with these bright kind of bubblegum colors. Yeah. And yet it's such a dark, dark movie. Right. And I love the juxtaposition. At the climactic scene or anticlimactic scene, I would say, mm-hmm. Angel of the Morning. Yeah. Played mm-hmm. by. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was uh, Joan Baez or. Um, You're my angel of, of the, the morning, morning angels. <laughs> it was not the rap version. No, no it wasn't. No. Yeah, um, but, but it I was... mean, you hear "Last Laugh," you hear "It's Raining Men," you hear "Angel of the Morning." I mean, the soundtrack really does lighten the movie. To the point where you almost don't realize it's a revenge movie and that she's, you know, it takes a while for you to realize just how damaged this girl is. Yeah, it was especially Angel of the Morning, I thought was really good to set the mood of that anticlimactic scene. And Mm -hmm. um, Well, it is the climax of the movie, sort of, but it's kind of anticlimactic for you in that she didn't do what you know well people would have to you have to see you've got to see this movie it's so good yeah well that's why i say anticlimactic if you see the movie you'll you'd understand why i say that right okay you might Mm. although i've been wrong yeah before (laughs) i guess i'm i'm kind of arguing semantics there okay you know but this is an eminently watchable movie yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that movie. And mm-hmm. I got more out of it the second time. And I can yeah. definitely see more of the points that you made. Mm-hmm. It's very astute saying that mm-hmm. it was a female director mm-hmm. and producer. It was Margot Roby, you know, right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, Hardy Quinn. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely, I definitely saw more the second time and got mm-hmm. a little bit more out of it. So Margie, Margot Roby played Harley Quinn? Yeah. I didn't remember that. Yeah, I know she played uh, um, Sharon Tate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she did a good job in that in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, which I found the movie actually tells you it's a fairy tale, but at the end, when everyone everyone you wanted to survive survived, I just thought that was like wow, it, it surprised me, and I guess it shouldn't have. Well, but a note about that is I that- like to go into these things with um with an open mind and and. Not too many preconceptions because I just want to enjoy the trip 
that the producer, the director, and the actors want to take me on. Yeah. And so I'm more open to movies that are kind of bad. Well, the- I'll watch a bad movie as long as um, Phil- Philip's not in the room. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I do complain. I do. Get oh, little- yeah. It gets to the point where I was watching a movie once and I thought he would enjoy it. And I got into the movie and he didn't enjoy it. And it got to the point where I just turned it off because he would not stop putting it down. Well, okay. I want to talk about Sharon Tate. You brought up Sharon Tate. Yeah. And I'll just add Mm -hmm. a note that um, Mm -hmm. Sharon Tate's sister was opposed to the the making of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until she read the script. Mm. So people who don't like the ending of that movie, mm-hmm. you know, I did enjoy the it ending. got the it got the endorsement of Sharon's family. So yeah. I mean, I I did enjoy the ending. I really did. It just I didn't expect it, and yeah. I loved that. Well, and I guess I should have because it said once upon a time. Yeah. So he said it was going to be a fairy tale. Well, one of the things that people I've read don't like about it is mm-hmm. the comic book violence of the uh that happened in brad pitt's house you know the way you take the peep the, yeah the head of the, well okay the home invaders you know pounded what? against the island of the but that's a, stuff. why are you watching a tarantino movie then <laughs> yeah that's true i'm sorry but i don't know of a single tarantino movie that doesn't have some kind of comic book violence yeah. i mean robert de niro kills uh uh the what's the fonda girl's name bridget, bridget, fonda. bridget fonda because she just won't shut up right i mean he basically just destroys her because she won't shut up in jackie brown and and then there's the the part where they they lock the guy in the trunk and then shoot him i mean and jackie brown's one of in my opinion, his least violent movie. Well, what about Reservoir Dogs? When um, exactly Michael Reservoir Madsen Dogs is just razor. violence <laughs> yeah, too, personified. Uh, it's it's violence on violence on violence. Right. Um, so you should really expect that. But one of the things I really loved about not to get off on a tangent, but one of the things uh-huh. I really loved about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the relationship between Brad Pitt and. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, yes. The relationship between those two was a really, really interesting. And then if you haven't seen it... It was um, a real bromance there. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And then there's the the situation with... um, um, Oh, the Bruce Lee thing. Oh. Yeah, now that's funny. Yeah. Um, they, They... They... point out some stuff about Bruce Lee and it being once upon a time in Hollywood is it true is it not true um but it's very very interesting what they what they suggest as far as Bruce Lee is concerned um you know and so that's that's a little bit of the movie it's only like um maybe like a one and a half scene situation that is um is is kind of very interesting all right so let's Um, move along to and then there's the the manson situation and you know the farm and and there's things that are true in this movie and it's hard to say what's actual and what's not actual but just so you know the movie that's featured in Once Upon a Time in um, in in Hollywood 
um, that's the Sharon Tate movie where she plays opposite uh, Dean Martin. Um, you can actually find that movie on, um, you know, out there. It's oh, yeah. available. Yeah. You can watch it. Let's move on to uh, our third film that we saw mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2021 when, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic. Every, the we lockdowns. were still one lockdown. We yeah. had to wear uh, masks and we got to the theater. And, and I will say for each of these movies, there were maybe one to two other couples in the room i think that the one that had the most might have been promising young woman and that was either there might have been a fourth couple but i'm not really sure yeah well nobody stars bob odenkirk who Mm -hmm. you all should know from better call saul and breaking Breaking bad uh he's um uh what is it he's the lawyer from breaking bad yeah in case anyone's trying to figure out who he is right yes um who are you? I'm nobody. So they took 20 bucks and an old watch? Did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. I wish they'd have picked my place. You had the drop on one of them. Why didn't you take them out? There's a long dormant piece of me. <gasps> also very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm going to mess you up. (laughs) It's been a hell of a day. You can see that. I used to work for some dangerous people, but I left it behind to start a family. I might have overcorrected. They came after my family, and you don't do that. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. Give me the damn kitty cat bracelet! Who are you? I'm nobody. A very good comic actor. A yes. really talented comic mm-hmm. actor. In fact, he did a lot of uh, stage work. He had like a partner that he did uh, mm-hmm. some comedy work with in the past. Um, but this is not... It's there, Hutch, not some, Hitch, huh? Yeah. There, yeah. There, there are... Yeah, okay. Hutch, Mansell Hutch Mansell is his name. And he mm-hmm. is a... And this is a, a, a kind of a similar to a john wick type of thing yeah yeah um it's made by some of the same people well i think that the director actually Mm -hmm. also did john wick which yeah i didn't know at the time we saw this i just found that out recently but i've never seen john wick um but there it has gained some criticism for being a kind of a uh a new take on John Wick, but I don't think um, you know Odenkirk's such a different character. A lot of times, um, movies take the personality of the actor or the lead actor of the film, and I think that's the case here. So I, I'll leave uh, I'll leave John Wick alone and say that, and we'll just mm-hmm. look at this film because we haven't seen John Wick. <laughs> right. Phil um, is not overall a fan of these kinds of movies in general. Yeah. Um, the reason why we saw this movie was Bob Odenkirk because he is a major fan of Bob Odenkirk. And bonuses, you've got Christopher Lloyd. Um, you just you know, once again, there's like this hit parade of people. Connie Nielsen that, is his wife. Right. That, mm-hmm. She was the wife of Lars mm-hmm. Ulrich from Metallica. Okay. She was also. I, I don't know who that is. She, she also played. Not- a very good role in a movie called The Ice Harvest with okay. uh, John. Um, I did not enjoy that movie. I know you did. Yeah, I did like that. You liked that movie. You watched it without me. 
Yeah. There are movies that he enjoys that I don't, and vice versa. Which is and that's cr- okay. Which is weird because um, mm-hmm. it had your man John Cusack in it, who you you you, yes. like, you salivate but, over him. But there's okay. There's this type of movie he where in your where part honey huh? really? I thought so. Uh, yes, but he's. I, I prefer to say he's on my list. We'd rather Thank not you go to Frank Banks here. Let's not let's not use that term. <laughs> okay. It's that's a no. Okay. No. All right. But yes. Um so um well, I, I just want... he's he's a guy that's on my uh my I call it the friends list. Yeah. Now mind With you, benefits. uh right. And uh, <laughs> and and my darling husband has pointed out that I really do need to edit my list. Um, but quite frankly, some of the guys that are on the list were dead before I put them on the list. So, eh, whatever. Yeah. But yes, uh, I do enjoy John Cusack. I enjoy his roles usually, but when a movie, when a movie is, is advertised in a certain way, it, it turns me off. And when it's people being mean to people, just, just flat out, it's just people being awful to other people. Or when it's like snowy vistas and beautiful scenery. If I want to see scenery, I'll pull up a photograph. I don't want my movie to be 50% scenery. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I kind of judged that movie based on the, the beginning of it. And it just, I fell asleep. Ice okay. Harvest, we're still talking about. So I went to, I, I fell asleep on that movie. Well, you got to watch the end because the end okay. is what's hot. But Okay, and that probably <laughs> means some woman's half naked and murdered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or she kills somebody, you know. Uh, yeah. The got, woman gets it over. It got real at the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, the kind of a yeah. Mickey Spillane kind of way. But Ooh, anyway. Okay. Um, but well, let's get back to this yes, movie. We're talking about nobody. nobody. And and Odin Kirk or um Hutch Mansell, we uh-huh. don't know it at the beginning of this movie, but he is an ex-assassin. He's yes. a man with talents. Very he was the guy that the FBI skills. sent to take care of business. Right. But he's trying to live a, a life of a normalcy now. And he's yeah, got his wife, wife and he's and got two a little kids. two kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so a teenage son and a little girl. And a job down in a little uh he works for his mother's, for his father-in-law. Yeah, in a little mm-hmm. manufacturing He runs place. his father-in-law's company. Yeah. We're never, I'm never clear exactly what they do at the company. So, you know, just saying. Um, but one night, he's the victim of a home invasion. And, mm-hmm. and, and Two people break into his house. Right. And they um, get his son into a position where uh, the son could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them has a gun. Yeah. It could have been killed. Mm-hmm. And Odenkirk or Hutch, Hutch had a uh, a opportunity to knock the um, assailant out before he could do that, but he chose another path. He told his son to let go, uh, just let them go, let them to go, get the yeah. least amount of damage across the board, right? And that, to not be to have no one injured. In retrospect, it was probably the correct thing yes. to do, yes. and nobody got injured, right? But even the cops who said you did the right thing, sir um were basically kind of i don't know i don't know if all of them were being kind of like coward kind of a situation because he did have there was a gun but but there was a golf club and he had a golf club and he was ready to use it and he ended up not using it when he realized his son was there right so he didn't want to commit violence instead of his son in front of his son yeah 
So he he suffered. He started going. He went back to work the next day, and he had coworkers that were saying, "My God, you know that was yeah, my was house. I'd have beat the house. living shit out of them." Right? Yeah, and his right brother-in-law's trying to give him a gun. Yeah. And his brother-in-law's kind of this. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's kind of yeah. squirrely. No, you no know. one, no one respects this guy. But uh, braggadocio type of guy, yeah. you know. So, uh-huh. you know um, yeah, he's got a tried to give him the gun, you know um mm-hmm. so anyway he he suffered all this derision and shame from being you know, put down being and, put down and he kind of accepted that you see time passes and a little time goes by and his daughter realizes that her kitty cat bracelet is missing right and that seemed to be a catalyst that yeah, seemed that to was, set him off he was like you know what my daughter's bracelet so he goes to find the people that broke into the house yeah and he and finds them pretty things easily. Well, yes, he finds them. Um, and uh, there's some really good bits. Uh, first of all, he's always riding the bus, which is kind of hilarious. That's like a, a that's like my, my, like, I don't know. It's, it's, I just love it. I just love that he's riding the bus. Right. Okay. And he, he, he's taking the bus to all these tattoo parlors because he noticed a tattoo, a very specific tattoo on one of the robbers. And um, he finally finds a tattoo parlor where he sees that this was where the tattoo was done. And, um, and, and admittedly, there's a certain amount of suspended disbelief on this one that he found this, you know, but, um, and, and we don't really know how much time passed. I don't know if he was doing this for, for a few days, for a few weeks, you know, it's kind of hard to say, but the way it's filmed, it looks like it was in one night. So he's riding the bus all over the city, going to how going to tattoo parlors, and he finds the tattoo parlor where it was done. And it's that particular scene is hilarious. Okay, I mean, not like laugh out loud, but like really funny because you you get it. This is when you first realize that it, it's one of the first hints that this guy is not the milk toast. Um, average family man that you thought he was um and then and then there's other hints like for instance um he talks to his brother who is in hiding and he um he goes to visit his father in the nursing home and uh, you know and there's some funny bits with that especially christopher lloyd is is you know really really good in this role he reminds me so much of abe vigoda in the way he plays the role Right. But you got to mention um, the Bernie Getz scene. The Bernie Getz scene? On the bus. To me, that's yeah. like... No, but wait a minute. Okay. We get there. All right. Okay. All right. Is this where he's beating up the... Yeah. The... Okay. I didn't want to do that as a spoiler, but the first scene where you really realize he's... Well, no. The first scene where you really realize there's something going on is um, the scene with the... Uh, with the the at the tattoo parlor then the next scene where you see that he's he's definitely more than more than what you've seen thus far is um the scene where he confronts the burglars in their own home and then after he leaves their home he's still looking for the kitty cat bracelet they don't have it okay um and uh so what happens is he uh he gets on the bus to go home and he's on the bus and a um this car comes around careening around right in front of the bus and it ends up wrecking and the guys in the car 
they, it turns out we eventually find that they are related to some roughy, uh, uh, Russian mafia bosses. Um, it, the, the, the leader of this group of guys is, um, um, what is it? But what's really interesting is Bob Odenkirk, um, our, our protagonist, um, Hutch Mansell, he gets this look on his face, this look of like relief, like he's finally going to get a fix. He needs this. And these guys are on the bus and there's, I guess, five of them, maybe six, I'm not sure. And what he does is he kind of ushers most of the people on the bus off the bus because these guys are obviously getting ready to harass and even attack this girl. And they want everybody off the bus too because they're going to basically F her up, okay? And Bob Odenkirk makes sure that everyone else gets off the bus and he gently escorts the driver off the bus he closes the door and he gets this smile on his face. And this is where you see that he's, he's going to enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, you might be hearing that in the background. There's a cicada. Oh yes. In the house. We have cicadas in the house. We have more than one probably. Yeah. I have escorted two out of the house and um, our cat Solomon, the mighty hunter has um, eaten two. Yeah. Well, so I don't think I'm it's spoiling. Sure coming down the chimney. I don't think it's spoiling anything to talk about that scene. Okay. That scene was one of the most mm-hmm. violent scenes I have. Yeah, with outside the elements, of a Tarantino, with, but it was real, more, more realistic, realistic violence, more cringeworthy, not, not like surrealistic violence. Like, like I, I always think old. of Tarantino <laughs> violence as surreal. Yeah, but this was real. This was down and dirty. He, I mean, he beat the living shit out of it. There's guy. a point at which they they shove a knife into him, and he just pulls the knife out and gets up and keeps going. There's a point at which they throw him through the bus window, and he lands on the street outside. And the driver's like, um, "Are are you okay?" And she's standing there. She doesn't know what to do. She's not going to leave the bus, but she doesn't know what to do. And he says, uh, "Yeah, I'll be back." And he gets back on the bus. Right. So I mean, it, yeah, it, the level of violence—it was realistic violence. It wasn't he, uh, cartoon. He definitely violence at gets all. severely, severely beaten up. But at the same time, he wins the day. He takes these guys down. Right. <laughs> so um, the name of the uh, the main Russian mm-hmm. uh, it, the main Russian crime boss is Yulian. Mm-hmm. And he's in charge of this uh, cachet of mafia, Russian mafia money. Uh, Called the Obachek. Yeah. And basically it's the kind of the mafia's one character in the movie um, calls it the, the mafia's retirement fund. Yeah. And it's many, many, many hundreds of millions of dollars in bills just stacked up yeah, on these on pallets. Skids, on pallets yeah. Yeah. And, and Julian, what's out of this? You know, what, they, what they do is they constantly move this. So like, and they, they keep, they keep, you know, they'll keep it for a little while and they'll, they'll, they'll babysit it, so to speak. And then it goes to the next person. And then it goes to the next person. And all of the people that have a share in this, um, take a turn watching the money. Yeah. But okay, so one of the people mm-hmm. that 
Hutch beat up on the mm-hmm. bu- on the train or on the, the bus. bus on the bus uh-huh. was Julian's brother. Was it his brother? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was yeah. his younger brother. Yeah, it was his brother. Whom it turns out he dislikes. Right. He never liked him. He couldn't stand him. But, but it's an affront to him. Right. And so he takes vengeance on on Hutch and he sends his henchmen yeah. out. And from then on, there are you know twists and turns to the story. I really enjoyed uh Christopher Lloyd's role. You know, mm-hmm. he went so he was kind of banished to the uh, nursing home at that stage of his life, but he got a renewed, invigorated uh you know yep. mm-hmm. new lease on life yeah. and it kind of you know brought to him. And and in a sense it's a situation where Christopher Lloyd was I'm I'm not one hundred percent if he was actually um Hutch's father or if he was his mentor his dad you know what i mean um because apparently christopher lloyd raised him and a young african-american man to be like brothers so they grew up the same with this man and i don't know if they were foster children or how that works but it turns out that christopher lloyd was also um some kind of special force. He was type FBI, person. actually. Yeah. No, Hutch was FBI. Was Christopher Lloyd FBI? We don't know. I remember seeing an really ID card that oh, had okay. Christopher Lloyd's face oh, okay. on it. Was FBI. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he was, he was, maybe he did the same job. And of course, Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd mm-hmm. was Jim from Texas. Right. Mm-hmm. And also Back to the Future, right? Mm-hmm. Back what does the yellow sign mean? <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> if you haven't seen that episode find it yeah. it is oh my goodness it's so funny yeah, he was um yes yes he was also in back to the future he was the uh he was the professor yeah in back to the future he invented the time machine so if you like mm-hmm. these movies where you know it's just a lot of action this is definitely oh, an action and just film. so you know one of the things that kind of softens the blow so to speak for these extremely graphically violent scenes is the um is the soundtrack like for instance a lot of these like there's three songs that philip has listed here specifically um hit me with your best shot heartbreaker and i've got to be me all of those were paired with a violent um or action scene well let me let me let me break it down mm-hmm. hit me with your best shot and, and heartbreaker were both used in the scenes where the 72 mm-hmm. dodge challenger mm-hmm. of hutch's neighbor mm-hmm. were was involved okay and, um, now but um, what was the song that was playing when they were on the bus then do you remember oh i don't remember that but I'm, yeah but the definitely the 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 soundtrack was excellent yeah it was a good soundtrack yeah it was a very it was a good soundtrack and it's one of those things where i don't know if you've ever listened to a movie without the music like a horror movie and it's you you realize that the music is there to tell you how to feel to give you a hint that this is a you know if you hear dun 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 you know something's about to happen you know you got you need a bigger boat right you need a bigger (laughs) boat (laughs) Uh, but okay so now at this point you may realize we watch way too many movies and tv well that's kind of a trope we need a bigger boat Mm -hmm. but if you look at these other two i've got to be me by steve lawrence Uh uh-huh you'll never walk alone those were both used 
by uh, Julian uh, when he uh, was doing karaoke. Oh, Because yes. they used the karaoke scenes yeah. to show how psychotic he was. Right. Because he'd like just to kind of arrive at these clubs, you know, real brash. And, it was his club. Yeah. And he, he arrived at his club and there was a girl up on the th- stage got, singing and he just walked up on the stage with her and started dancing and singing with her. Yeah. So, Which apparently is something he regularly did. But I mean, that was an effective way to demonstrate that he was a psychopath. You know, mm-hmm. he had uh, light and dark, you know, yeah. at the same club. Yeah, he just minutes later, he killed right. somebody. Uh-huh. One of the, um, yeah, just because of the guy asked him, a, I don't remember exactly why. I think the guy asked some kind of question and he just killed him. Well, he killed him. They were, they asked. The guy was a stakeholder in his gangster yeah. operation and, and right. he didn't he, care who he was. He, he just, had 3% of the, um, the, the Obachek. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, you can imagine where it goes from there. Yeah. People have probably seen who, who, you know, a lot of people who have wanted to see these movies. All of seen these are, are lower budget movies that were played in our, um, in the Cincinnati Art House Theater called The Esquire. Right. And they have excellent popcorn, good movies most of the time. Um, we have seen movies that I thought were a bit of a clunker. Um, it is also where we saw the Linda Ronstadt story, which we did not review that in this, but it is very watchable. And I think most of the movies where they were, um, uh, this is where we go when we want to see like biographies. Um, it's where we saw the peanut butter Falcon, all of those smaller movies that are a little bit moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nostalgic for us because we lived in the Gaslight District of Clifton. Uh, right, that's where the theater is, and we'd be able to walk to that and you know, right. go to Skyline. And, uh, and then the reason why we particularly IGA. went there is because it is it is a local theater and has three locations. Um, there's the Esquire, which is the more traditional art place. Then there's the Marimont, which is a slightly more you're not going to see the exact same arty type movies. Um, I mean, you know, some of the same movies are going to play there and some aren't. Well, it I think just it depends. Has, I think it has fewer theaters too. Right. It has fewer locations. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if you look at what's playing at the Marimont and what's playing at the Esquire, they're completely different movies. Um, yes. And then there might be one overlapping movie, but then the rest of them are, you know, the movies. And the Marimont is in a wealthier area. It's not in the college area. It's in the, um, an older, more established area um, and, and a bit of a suburb. It's, it's not part of Cincinnati exactly. It's not legally incorporated into Cincinnati. It's its own entity. Um, And then the third theater is the Kenwood Theater, and that's more of a nod towards competing with the bigger theaters. Yeah, it's They have the, you know, the new releases, and they have, um, what, like eight or ten, eight to ten, um, you know, it's more like one of those big places like Cinemark it or seems Aramark. to have maybe up to seven or eight screens yeah it's got more screens um and one you're giant, definitely going to be able to see one kind of a giant screen hd no it's got more than one yeah. one giant but you're going to see your your hds and your 3ds and and so on at uh, at the kenwood cinema but you can also they have the smaller uh, smaller um venues for 
some of those art type movies as well. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, we'll wrap it up. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to I love lists. Mm-hmm. I know not everybody yeah. does, but I love lists. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and rank these by the ones that I would recommend from from most recommendable to least. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would have to go for me I would have to go with a promising young woman. Yeah. Okay. And it's very close mm-hmm. with nobody. Okay. Because I really enjoyed Nobody. It was a really good, yeah. you know, ride. You know, it was like right, an hour and a right. half. It's real tight, real fast paced. Mm-hmm. But I just think the promising, you know, a promising young woman, especially after this second viewing, has a lot mm-hmm. more backstory. It's got more nuance. Got more nuance, mm-hmm. more significance, uh, better looking. Yeah. More, you know. Yeah, there's a grittiness to nobody that you expect. Yeah. That you should expect. Some stars that, uh, you know, I like Alison Brie from Glow. You yeah. Know, I think she's really cool. Yeah, she's she does an excellent job in her role. So in order, I would yeah, go Promising a Young Woman, Nobody Second, mm-hmm. and then um, Kajillionaire Third. Mm-hmm. I just felt like Kajillionaire, I had a lot of things I liked. I thought there was really good performance by Evan Rachel Wood. Mm-hmm. But you get to about the Everyone did a good job. You get to about the middle. Yeah, I really thought yeah, yeah. that, All um, of them. you know, Robert played by mm-hmm. uh, Richard Jenkins from Six Feet Under. The girl who played Melanie, who came in later. Right. I mean, she, you're never really sure if she's just a regular girl who's bored or if she's something of a grifter herself. Right. You're never quite sure. So I did, I did like in. it. I did like but it. But she does a really good job. But I feel like from like maybe the middle, it maybe mm-hmm. drug on a little bit from maybe the middle of the film okay. to, to yeah. roughly the last, you know. And and I'm minutes. I'm I'm less likely to um to be bothered by some slowness, you know, uh, because I'm looking at what's going on more, you know, and and the nuance, the the goal of the movie how it's going to to is it going to be satisfying at the end i want to end it in a satisfying way and i thought that the end the ultimate end of the movie was very satisfying and not just because two girls were making out in target okay no it was <laughs> i wasn't going to i was for her yeah that you know that that so you their accuse goodbye, me of, their of, ultimate of... goodbye you accused me of... Uh... Uh, well, um, we already said it was LGBTQ. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's very... It, yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, the end was... I was satisfied with the end. I mean, the way her parents... They sent her off, so to speak. Her inheritance, if you will. Um, while they, they took... You know, they were done. They... Yeah, she was going off into the normal world. And so I think they all kind of felt that she would never see them again. Okay. Um, so is Kill Kajillionaire your favorite? I'm then? not sure. Or, I yeah. mean, I'm torn between the two, honestly. Nobody is my third. Okay. I, I didn't, I liked the movie. It was entertaining. It kept my attention. I didn't feel like I was about to fall asleep every, every five minutes or anything, which with action movies, I tend to get a little bored depending on, you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of Fast and Furious. They all kind of, there's such a formula to those. And I felt like this didn't have that same formula. I felt it came out of the box a little bit. But it would, of the three movies we risked our life for, it would be my third. Now, the first two, it's hard to say. The the, the very, okay, 
Jillionaire, I found satisfying on a on a, a personal like interaction level between the characters. It was an interesting character study um, about these these so different people that are so like on the fringes of society. But a promising young woman, despite the way it ends, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jillionaire. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so close. So, so close. I could say they were tied, but I feel like that would be a bit of a cop-out. There you have it. Final word. Thank you for joining us on Yeah, Uh Uh-huh this week. Hey, listeners, it's Lisa. And Phil. From Yeah, Uh Uh-huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have socials. Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh pod. Notice, Notice a, a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.